Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Please pray with me. Father, again, we humbly ask, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts, by the power and inspiration of your Holy Spirit, your presence with us, will be pleasing to you. Come and teach us. Help us receive from you. We pray through Christ. Amen. So today's the first Sunday of Advent. It's a beginning. And um, as we discussed what we would, you know, speak of today, of course, it's the the story as we go into it. But I want to give some context, the story of Jesus' birth. But I want to give some context um, to kind of let us know exactly what was going on when Zacharias saw that angel that day. It had been 400 years in Israel since the last time they had heard from a prophet of the Lord. 400 years. Malachi, a mid-5th century prophet who most think was a contemporary of Ezra and Nehemiah, had been a prophet who had been calling the people of God out of a hardness of heart. Uh, there was a theologian, Yaroslav Pelikan, who said that, that tradition is the living faith of the dead and traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And Malachi was a prophet in Israel when there was a lot of dead faith of the living. There was a a form of orthodox worship going on, but there was no presence of God observed. It was also a really hard and sad time because the temple that was being rebuilt looked very inferior to anything they had known in the days of Solomon. And so the people, they, they kept coming and they kept worshiping, but they were pretty hard-hearted, pretty broken. And so so if you think about what's going on with Zechariah and Elizabeth here, you know, if you study a little bit about them, well, it says it in the text explicitly, they were both descendants of the line of Aaron, Moses' brother. And that's where the priesthood came from. And there were 24 active lines that worked from Aaron. There was his oldest son, Eleazar, and then Ithamar, who was his youngest son. And 16 of the line of priests came from Eleazar, and 8 came from Ithamar. Okay? And uh, they were born of the line of Aaron. And in specific, Zechariah came from the line of Abijah, the 8th line underneath uh, Aaron's son, Eleazar. And Abijah means um, son of Yah, which means son of God, believe it or not. So that's, that's who Zechariah was. And while to us this may seem like just kind of a, a history channel moment, you've got to understand that to those people, names meant a lot. The names of children, the names of, of lines of people meant a whole lot. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were serving, and Zechariah specifically was serving as a priest with other priests for four centuries, diligently coming before the Lord, 
making sacrifices, offering prayers. Each one of those 24 lines would come two weeks, not at once, but two different weeks out of a year. And for that week, from wherever they lived in the Judean area, they would come to Jerusalem and they would serve for that week. And then as they were serving, they would draw lots because after all those years, they would draw lots to see who would go in and offer incense. And you could serve your entire life faithfully as a priest and never have that moment. Zechariah did. It would be fair to say that he kind of won the lottery that day. That's cheesy, but it's true. He went in and got to serve incense before God. While that was going on, all the people, they're outside praying. It's called the hour of incense. And they're praying fervently to the Lord. And Zechariah goes in, and just in case something weird happens and he sees God and dies, they have a rope tied to him so that in case he goes dead, they can drag his dead body out of that room. Otherwise, they'll need more incense. You feel me? But they literally, man, you guys... Somebody get them some more coffee. People are like. (laughs) Yeah, there's incense burning right here. Everybody come over here. (laughs) Seriously, they had to tie. They tied this rope to him and he goes inside. Then he offers the incense. Then he would come out. And what he would do is pronounce the blessing I'm going to do at the end of the service. It's called the ironic blessing. He would lift his arms and pronounce it to the people. Well, Zechariah goes inside, and the people are praying, and it doesn't take that long to offer the incense. And he stays, and he stays, and he stays. And I'm curious if anybody was like, should we pull the rope? I mean, what happened? But what happened in there is that as he's offering it, a minister from God, an angel shows up. And is in his face. So not only has he been chosen for something that's a a once-in-a-lifetime experience, after 400 years of heaven being silent, God's messenger comes. He's going to hear from the Lord personally after 400 years of his people staying the course and having silence. And then what he hears next was beyond his wildest dreams, even though he had been praying for it for decade upon decade. Your wife is going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to do amazing things among the people. And then he really triggers it. He's going to come in the power and spirit of Elijah. And that old priest would have flipped when he heard that. Because that meant Messiah was coming. Messiah was coming. And he is hearing this extraordinarily. Prayer answered for the people. Prayer answered for him and his wife. Unbelievable good news. And his response, how shall I know this? I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. It wasn't an exuberant, how is this happening? It was, 
how shall I know this? It was basically give me a sign. And at this moment, I can only imagine we have this eloquent picture. Maybe it looked like that. Maybe. That is beautiful. But there's a part of me that can't help but wondering if in the middle of that incense going up, there stands an angel. And he goes, give me a sign. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine the angel being like? <laughs> Buddy, what do you need? I mean, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. You're going to get a sign, but it's going to be to help you receive when God decides to speak. You're not going to get to speak. I want you to be quiet. But when what I say comes true, then you'll speak. And that was a kindness, truly. There are a whole lot of things God's angel could have done or said at that moment. But it was a kindness of the nature of God to lead Zechariah to repentance. So that when his son was born, we'll hear what he says later. Yes? The good news was too good to be true for him. It was literally an answered prayer. And it was too good to be true. And I think that we can relate to that. My father, my father never just believed anything until it was verified hardly. He just, he, the rest of us would get excited and think, wow, this amazing thing's going to happen. He'd be like, we'll see. And that's just how dad rolled. He was always waiting for the other foot to fall. And to be fair, sometimes it did. But to live anticipating that, for the other foot to fall, for something to always go wrong, is to live in a position of scarcity. And to really not be very available for what God might be doing in a moment. Why do we do this? Why did Zechariah do it? I think, I think we believe surprise feels better than disappointment. And I think it does. It feels better than disappointment. So we expect less. Maybe even we expect the worst and prepare for it. That way, if things go badly, we find a way to breathe on the other side. And if you've been hurt a lot, that feels important. That feels like wisdom. And after 400 years of silence from heaven, after however many decades of silence from heaven for Zechariah and Elizabeth, to hear this good news, man, if it didn't come true, if he was having some weird hallucination and this wasn't real... And it was just easy to struggle to believe, to really, really struggle to believe in that moment. Here are some painful ways that we might relate to this this holiday. It's the holidays again. Another reminder of just how uncomfortable being around family feels. We've been hoping and praying for years for it to get better, but we're beginning to lose hope. We're beginning to doubt if that's ever going to happen. 
Or what about this one? It's the holidays again. But that thing that I've always wanted is just another reminder of the family that I don't have. The job that I didn't get. The loss that's painful. I've hoped, I've prayed, and heaven seems cold and distant. Unbelievable surprise feels better sometimes than daring to hope, than the heart hardening disappointment that can come. That can be pretty crushing for people. And Protecting ourselves that way begins to work another thing. It begins to make room for cynicism to take root and begin to grow in our hearts and minds. Okay, I think we can all relate to this to some degree. Here's good news. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, our older brothers and sisters in the church put together this idea of Advent, where we would stop and reorient our entire year into a remembering, into coaching, cultivating, helping one another dare to hope and anticipate again. To remember together that God did keep His promise. Heaven can be silent sometimes. That doesn't mean God isn't there. It doesn't mean He does not hear. It means things are happening that may be above our understanding. And that is painful. But we celebrate a God who sees, enters into that literally in the person of His Son. And Advent is a time when we remember that. I was talking with Jesse Bankhead after the first service, and one of the things we remembered was this. If you get into the songs of Zechariah, of Elizabeth, the Magnificat of Mary, the songs, all of those that happened before the shepherds and the angels, which is when the birth happened, all of those were songs of praise because God has heard and answered our prayer. And neither John nor Jesus had been born. That's Advent. That's celebrating the faithfulness of God before it happens. That's celebration of chesed, the faithful, unending covenant love of God to his people. So if you feel in some way like Zechariah this year, or if you can at least relate I want to invite all of you away from the good news of the gospel is just the same old ritual again and again that we've been doing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I want to invite you away from I don't dare hope because the disappointment hurts too bad. I don't want to deny that the disappointment hurts, but I want us to do something about it. I want us to celebrate this Advent looking forward to Christ coming. 
Celebrate this Advent leaning in to one another and helping one another remember. Let's take the season to slow down. Remember again. Let's learn from God's kind rebuke to Zechariah. That hiding from disappointment can breed doubt and cynicism and can cause us to miss what God is doing. Can we slow down enough in the pain of wherever we are to try to help one another do that again? Slow down, remember, and lean into hope with anticipation. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.